Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. It's good seeing you all here, braving this cold weather. I also want to welcome those who are in the, in the beacon. Thanks for being here today. And also those who are joining us online. Today, we are actually streaming to both YouTube and Facebook at the same time. Can you imagine that? We figured that out finally. So, um, so yeah, so if you are watching on Facebook this morning, if you would, post a comment and let us know that you're there. So we are just finishing up this 21-day fast. How many of you really enjoyed that? I didn't see, uh, there was no hands in case you didn't see that. No, no, there were a couple, a couple of hands, very few. It was difficult. It was difficult to do that. But thank you guys so much for joining in. I really feel like the kingdom of God is advancing and we've already started to get some reports. Uh, not, not for us necessarily, those of us who were fasting, but for the people we were fasting for. And so uh, I'm excited about that. Super excited about that. So thank you for that. But one of the things that I missed, I was doing the Daniel fast, which is basically just fruits, vegetables, and nuts. Nothing that tastes good. I mean, it's essentially what the Daniel fast is. Um, and I really like cookies. I don't know about you all, but I'm kind of like the cookie monster when I see a pile of cookies. So um, we're having a Super Bowl party at our house later this afternoon for young adults. Young adults, bring cookies. All right, I'm just telling you now. If you don't know what to bring, Bring cookies. Chocolate chip are my favorite. But I have some some Oreo cookies up here. How many of you like Oreo cookies? Oh, there's some hands up there. All right. So I haven't had a cookie in 21 days, you know, 22, 23 days, I guess. And so I have an Oreo cookie, and I'm just going to enjoy this in front of you all. Mmm. Mm. Mm. You notice how I'm eating the cookie? Is that how you guys, anyone eat it like that? Yeah, you just go for what? The good stuff, right? I mean, why eat the outside? It's only semi-sweet. Go right for the good stuff in the middle, right? By the way, I'm, I'm really not that mean. We're going to pull out my gift bag. Here's my gift bag. You guys like this? My satchel cleaning my hands. Who wants a cookie? Let's see. We got lots of cookies here. Put, keep your hands up. All right. <laughs> okay, get them in the back. Here we go. Anyone else over here? In the beacon, you guys should have some. Oh, we're going way back. Oh, here we go. Let's try again. No, I can't. Get... All right, I'm going there. All right, here we go. Anyone else? Here we go, Lyndon. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we, we need to have a softball team. Do you see these people making these catches over here? There we go. There it is for you. All right. Todd. Okay. That's enough of that. All right. If you didn't get one, just come up to the bag after service. But anyway, so when I eat Oreo cookies, especially those double stuff, and you just open it up, lick the inside, eat the good stuff, throw the rest away. I mean, we just go for the good stuff. How many of you, when you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, you just skip that first section 
which is green and orange and that kind of thing. And you just go right for like the mashed potatoes and the roast beef and the chicken. And anybody's that just me? Yeah, I, yeah. You, you just go for the good stuff. Why? Why bother with the healthy stuff? Which some people would say that's the good stuff and that's the bad stuff, but it's not. That's not that way. It's the good stuff. It's is all the meat and because oh, we just want the good stuff, right? Well, tonight, tonight, as I said earlier, is the Super Bowl. And so for some of you, you're like, I, I don't want to waste four hours of my life watching the game, right? I mean, there's some of us, in, I mean, not me, but some of you might feel that way. And so I found this, this is kind of a tidbit for you. Every Monday after the, the NFL Sunday, if you go to YouTube, here's an image of this, they post like these, um, they call them game highlights. So it's like 11 minutes long, and it's the best plays from every NFL game. So, you know, in just like an hour, you can go through and watch all of your favorite teams that played on Sunday and see all of the best plays. So they've taken out all of the, you know, stop on the goal line, and they only have like the the touchdowns and the first downs and all the best plays. And I love that. I got to keep up with so many teams this year because I didn't watch them all on Sunday, but I could kind of watch them all on Monday. So it was really nice because, again, they keep on the video just the good stuff. So I'm kind of emphasizing this, that in life, there are things that are extras that we don't don't really want. And we want to kind of just cut to the chase. You've heard of that, that statement. That means cut to the chase scene for you young people. You know, like the Dukes of Hazard always had the chase scene. And so you just cut everything else and go just to the best stuff. And so that's the way it is in life. Now, when it comes to our Bibles, let me just say, it's all good stuff. All right. I mean, it's all good stuff. Everything that's in here is in here for a purpose. No, it's it's God inspiring man to write these words down. So it's all good stuff. But I have to confess, just like the inside of an Oreo cookie, I have my favorites in here. I mean, there's parts of this book that are like what I would consider the good stuff. The good stuff. Let me explain. So here's the makeup of the Bible. Now, just an overview of it. So in the Old Testament, you have the books of history, of Jewish law, wisdom, songs, and prophecy. And then in the New Testament, you have stories of Jesus, history, letters, and then a final prophecy. And so everything in the Old Testament was really just setting up our need for a Savior. And then there were prophecies about the coming Messiah. And so then in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's just stories of Jesus, right? It's stories of Jesus. And then after that, is the acts of the disciples, some history, and then a bunch of, you know, letters and uh, teachings on how we're supposed to live out our Christian faith. And then it ends with this final prophecy about Jesus coming back. So you can kind of see that the whole book is about setting the stage for Jesus's first, you know, first coming. And then it's the impact of everything he did while he was here. And then you have a final prophecy about the fact that he's going to come again. The whole Bible is about God's love for mankind and Jesus coming as our Savior. So for me, if we're going to like study or read the good stuff in the Bible, it's going to be all about Jesus. And it's not just going to be about what he did. 
Specifically, it's going to be about what he said. The words of Jesus. If you look in your Bibles, many of you have what are called red letter editions. What that means is that everything that Jesus said is in red. And why is that? Because it's the good stuff. I mean, what Jesus had to say during his three years here on earth, I mean, that has to be the most important thing that we could ever study. So that's what we're going to do uh, between now and Easter. We're going to study the words of Jesus, and our message series is called Simply the Good Stuff, Studying the Words of Jesus. And you all will remember it because you see those Oreo cookies, right? There as an image. All right, so today we're going to be reading a section of Scripture in the book of Matthew. You can turn there to Matthew chapter 5. And this section of Scripture is Jesus' first sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, he is teaching us how to live. All right, how to live. And it's really counterculture. It's brand new. I mean, people are just amazed by what he has to say. And, um, and I'm going to start out with what I would consider a difficult section of Scripture. Um, it's a teaching that was, it's really hard to live out. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 38. You can follow along in your Bibles, or it'll be up on the screen as well. And mine's in red, by the way. So, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not risk, resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The message title is A Tough Task, Loving Your Enemies. This is a tough section of Scripture. You know, Jesus is telling us how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to respond to our enemies, to people who are mean to us, who take advantage of us. So we're going to dive right into Jesus's words, and I'm going to give us a couple of reasons why we should love our enemies. All right, but first let me pray. So Father, I thank you, first of all, for sending your son Jesus to this earth, not to just die on the cross for my sins and for everyone else's here, God but to also teach us how to live on this planet, how to do the things that, that resemble you, Father. So Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear this morning what you want to speak to us. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and minister to our hearts. 
And God, I also pray that you would give me your words to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, a couple of fill-ins on your handout, if you would like. We should all show love to our enemies, number one, because that's just what God's family does. That's just what God's family does. Let me explain. Verse 43 says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Jesus is saying, if you want to be a child of God, this is what we do. We love our enemies. It's part of being part of the family. Now, let me give you just a silly example. When I was young, um, I heard all about my dad who played football when he was in high school. And he was actually really, really good. They, he was fast and could run really fast. And they called him Crazy Legs Schwartz. That's what they called him. They didn't call me that. But they called him Crazy Legs Schwartz. So I was the youngest of three boys. And so my, my oldest brother, Doug, played really good football player. Then David, the middle brother, he played really good football player. And so when it came time, when I was eight, nine, ten years old, whatever it was, to sign up for Rocket Football, I mean, I didn't even have a choice in the matter. It was not, I don't remember anyone asking me, do you want to play football? It was expected, right? I mean, because that's what us Schwartz boys did. And as I got older, um, it kind of paved the way because my older brothers were so good in football that they kind of just let me pick my position. It was kind of nice. So anyway, but that's just what our family did. Now, in the same way, Jesus is saying, if you want to be part of our family, what we do is we love our enemies. We turn the other cheek. And this was very, very, very counterculture to their religion. The Jewish faith at that time, man, they were very religious, very law-driven. And, you know, it comes from, like, back in Exodus. Let me read this. In Exodus chapter 21, it says, because in Exodus and Leviticus, they lay out these laws. It says, if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, Bruise for bruise. Old Testament law said that you are to repay injury for injury. And that's what the, the going culture was all about. Everyone around them. Now they needed that in the Old Testament to maintain order and justice. But when Jesus came, he changed everything. Instead of Old Testament Jewish law, he said, no, we're going to have a law of love. And he says, we're supposed to love our enemies. Verses 39 and 41 from our scripture says, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And it's, it's one thing to, you know, pray for your, your enemies, but it's, it's another thing to actually walk that out, that whole idea of loving your enemy. 
You know, if someone slaps you on the cheek, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Let them slap you on the other one. He says, if they, if they take your clothes, man, give them the suitcase to take it. He says, if they force you to go a mile, and again, this was old Roman law there, where the Roman soldiers could make you carry their equipment for a mile, but not more than a mile. Jesus says, when they, when they force you to carry it for a mile, don't stop at a mile. Go the extra mile. Go another mile. I mean, can you imagine being his followers? They're like, we like you all in all, Jesus, but man, that's some tough teaching. We hate those Roman soldiers. And if somebody slaps me, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to punch them back. Remember the Old Testament law? It says, you know, tooth for tooth, eye for eye. And Jesus said, no. If you want to be part of my family, you're going to show love to your enemy. You're going to show love to your enemies. One thing I appreciate about Jesus was that he didn't just teach it. He lived it out as well. He lived it out as well. On the day that they crucified him, when he was up on the cross, he expressed forgiveness to the people who nailed him to the cross. Luke chapter 23 says, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Now, if you, I think many of us have read that. We've heard that before. But I want you to just kind of picture yourself for a moment. Jesus was arrested unfairly, tried illegally. He was nailed to a cross without mercy. The soldiers mocked him. They spit on him. They beat him. They put a thorn of crowns on his head and smashed it down. I mean, if, if anyone had a reason to hate those soldiers, it was Jesus, right? And, and they, they nailed him to a cross. They put him up and hung him up there to die. And they had stripped him naked. And here's the thing. They didn't even have the decency to wait until he died to gamble for his clothes. Right there in front of them. They're gambling for his clothes because they know he's not going to make it. He's not going to need these anymore. So what's Jesus do? He calls out to God and he says, his father, he says, Lord, just forgive them, please. Don't hold, don't hold this against them. And I believe that God did. I believe that God answered that prayer and that he didn't hold those soldiers accountable for that act right there. And in that act of love, it was kind of interesting is that when Jesus died, the head centurion said, and because there was, this, you know, it went dark and there was an earthquake, all those things. He said, this man must have been the son of God. There was an impact there. When we become followers of Jesus, we join his family and we are called to love our enemies. And by the way, 
Jesus hasn't stopped praying for God to forgive people of their sin. Even though he died and he rose again and he went up to heaven, he's now sitting at the right hand of God, interceding. Here, I love the scripture in, in Romans chapter 8. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So today, in that same way that he said to the Roman, to God over the Roman soldiers, God, don't, don't hold this against them. He's, he's saying that today to God. He's saying, oh God, don't, don't hold that sin against Clint. Because he prayed a prayer and asked me to be his Lord. And so Jesus is interceding on our behalf today. If you are a follower of Jesus, he is interceding on your behalf today. Now, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I mean, you need Jesus to intercede on your behalf because you don't want to take the penalty for your sin. Trust me, you don't want to do it. And so if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to come up after service, let me talk to you. Or if you're online, send me a message, let me know, and we can talk about it. But we all need that loving Son of God, Jesus Christ, to intercede and pray for us, to be the intermediary between us and God. Every one of us needs that. All right, that's point number one. We should all show love to our enemies because that's just what God's family does. That's what, what he does. Here's point number two. We should all show love to our enemies because it will make an impact. And I kind of alluded to that already. But if you look at verse 46, I love this part. It says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Tax collectors were bad people. They were just bad people. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus wants us to be different than the world. Right? He's basically saying, if you just love those who love you, what reward will you get? Will you get? That's what the world does. You need to love those who don't love you. And then if you do that, it'll make an impact. It will stand out. We will shine. We will shine. Uh, anyone heard of the movie Amish Grace? Have you heard of the movie? Um, I just watched this the other day. It's a movie about the 2006 West Nickel Mine school shooting in Pennsylvania. You probably have heard of that. A heavily armed man went into the schoolhouse, tied up 10 young Amish girls, ended up shooting all 10 of them. Five died, and then he killed himself. It was a tragic event that was heard all around the world. But what really impacted the people around there was the love and forgiveness that the Amish people showed to the widow of the shooter. In a Pittsburgh Post article from October 2006, it said, Dozens of Amish neighbors came out yesterday to mourn the quiet milkman who killed five of the young girls 
and wounded five more in a brief, unfathomable rampage. About half of the perhaps 75 mourners on hand were Amish. This wasn't for their own girls. This was for the shooter. It's the love, the forgiveness, the heartfelt forgiveness they have toward the family. I broke down and cried seeing it displayed, said Bruce Porter, a fire department chaplain from Morrison, Colorado. The parents, because Jesus said to love our enemies, showed love and forgiveness towards the family of the shooter. And that made an impact. Now, the, the shooting made the news because it was a tragic event. But the forgiveness made a movie. And it ended up being a fairly popular movie. Amish Grace broke network records in multiple demographics with more than 4 million viewers becoming the highest rated and most watched original movie in Lifetime Movie Network's history. When we do what Jesus tells us to do, it will make an impact. Paul says it this way in the book of Philippians, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Jesus, when he taught, he taught us to do things different than the world, even different than the religious folks. It was completely counterculture. Counter but when we do that, we will shine. We will stand out. Let me give you another example from Scripture where, this made, where someone loving their enemy made an impact. So Saul, who would later be called Paul, but before he became a follower of Jesus, man, he was a bad guy. And so he would arrest Christ's followers. He would put them in jail. And then he would vote against them to be condemned to death, and they would die. So he was doing this in Jerusalem again and again and again, and eventually he ended up going to Damascus to do the same thing. So on his way to, to Damascus to arrest Christians and to throw them in jail and bring them back to Jerusalem, have them, have them tried and put to death, Jesus, he actually has an encounter with Jesus. Who's you know I don't know how that all worked because Jesus is in heaven, but Jesus comes down and confronts Saul and blinds him. All right, so Saul is blinded. He's led by the hand into the city of Damascus, and he begins to pray and fast. But so there's Saul. He's blinded, all right, in Damascus. Then, at that time, another Christian in the city of Damascus named Ananias has a vision from God. And in this vision, God tells Ananias... There's this man here, his name is Saul. He's staying over at this house. And I want you to go over there and pray for him to have his sight restored. All right, so that's, that's the, the, the setup for this. But then I love Ananias' response. He says, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. As if God doesn't know that, right? But he's reminding him, like, this is a bad guy. It's probably a good thing that he's blinded. Maybe I can go over there and kill him, put him, you know, out of our misery. I mean, think about that. That's the scenario. And God says, no, I want you to go and pray for him and heal him. Now, thankfully, Ananias does this. And Ananias goes over there and he prays for Saul. And Saul is healed and see again. 
and Saul becomes a follower of Jesus. Now Saul, who later becomes Paul, ends up praying for and preaching the gospel for tens of thousands of people, and they become followers of Jesus. And Paul then writes most of the New Testament, which I'm studying from and you're learning from today, from the New Testament. Now let me just say, all of that was a result of a man named Ananias who showed love to his enemy. I mean, it made an impact, a huge, huge impact. When we show love to our enemies, we don't even know the kind of impact it can make. So here's a question I would like each of us to ask ourselves. Think about one of your enemies, all right? So think about one of your enemies. Now, maybe you wouldn't call them an enemy. Maybe you would think of them as just someone you don't like. But really, ask yourself this question, what do I really have to lose by showing love to this person? I mean, really, think about it. What do you have to lose by showing love to this person? Loving your enemy can bring healing. Not just to them, but to you as well. Forgiving your enemies, good, good practice. It's a good practice. So much good can happen when we choose to love our enemies. Here's your last fill-in. When we choose to love our enemies, hearts could be changed forever. Think about Saul. I could tell you story after story of when people I know have shown love to their enemies, the impact that that has made. So we should all show love to our enemies because it will make an impact. I'm going to invite Lyndon to come up here and close us in prayer and also turn over ministry time, the beacon, to Tony. Thanks for being here. That's some good stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm tracking with that pretty well. Um, thank you, Clint. Jesus had some pretty radical teachings, and I'm really excited as we are getting into this series of, oh boy, this is some heavy stuff today. What's, what's next Sunday? It's going to be awesome. The good stuff. Keep coming. But right now, I feel like God is talking about um, some bitterness that we might be harboring in our hearts towards people that we might not like or might not love or just simply downright hate this morning. Um, Clint said, what do you have to lose by showing love? I want you to ask yourself that right now. What do you have to lose by showing love to that person, to that fill-in-the-blank organization, family member? Who is it in your life that you just simply cannot stand? 
And choosing to love them feels like the hardest thing that you can imagine right now. But what did Jesus say? He calls, he calls us out pretty, pretty straightforward. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's other scripture that, scripture always backs up scripture, right? And there's a scripture, it's Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, offering and sacrifice to God. See, Jesus knows this is not easy. Many times in life, the, the good stuff isn't always easy. The real good stuff. Just because it's the good stuff does not mean it's going to be easy. But the rewards that God has in store for you this morning, by seeking that good stuff, far outweigh the pain. I heard one time that Bitterness, if you're holding on to bitterness, that's, that's almost like you're drinking poison and hoping that your enemy dies because of that. It doesn't make sense. So this morning, we're going to pray for anyone in this room that is holding on to that bitterness, and holding on to that anger, that hate towards people you just do not like right now. Okay, and I'm just going to ask, in a minute here, I'm going to ask for, and if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand, but first we're going to pray a little bit and ask God to, to search our hearts this morning. So if you bow your heads with me. God, this teaching this morning is awesome, but it's also hard. It's, it's tough to go along with Jesus' countercultural teachings. Why do we have to love people that hate us? You ask us to. The sacrifice that Jesus went through just for us. Our sins put him on that cross. Jesus, our sins put you on that cross. You had every right to not forgive us, but you chose to forgive us. So in turn, we want to forgive and love those who hurt us, persecute us, hate us. So if that's you this morning, if God is touching your heart saying, you know, you've got something that you're holding on to, I'm going to ask you to stand where you're at. And we'll pray for you.
sees your hearts. Can't can't hide anything from Jesus. It's not worth it either. Anyone else? online, just go ahead and stand right where you're at if God's telling you to. Guys, this is the good stuff. (laughs) This is the good stuff. Anyone else? malice, this hatred maybe that we've been holding on to towards people. We're giving that to you right now because it's not helping anyone. It's only hurting us. It's not just hurting us, it's keeping us from having a full fruitful relationship with you, God. I pray for each and every person that's standing right now here at home I pray for a supernatural healing right now in their hearts. This dirtiness that's been in the hearts right now would be cleansed and purified before you this morning, God. In the name of Jesus, I ask for your healing. The healing that comes from the power of the blood of Jesus shed for us, who died for us and loved us first while we were still sinners. I pray that same power over each and every one of you right now. Thank you. If you'd all stand this time. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. God, you're so good. Thank you for healing. Thank you for each and every person in this room right now. God, give us the strength to take these amazing, radical teachings, the good stuff, with us this morning. It doesn't end here. It goes with us wherever we go this morning tomorrow, this week, this year. God, we love you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming today. It's time you are dismissed. If you have anything that you'd like to pray for, we have a prayer team up front. Come on up. They'll pray for you. Anything you want. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.